Welcome to another edition of the Bible in the News. This is Jonathan Bowen joining you. When the European Union integrated its currencies into the euro, it was fulfilling a dream of previous empires. Monetary union was the policy of the Roman Empire, and was duplicated by Charlemagne when he established the Holy Roman Empire. It was reintroduced by Otto von Bismarck during the Second Reich. He tried to re-establish the Holy Roman Empire. Now it has been reintroduced by the European Union, in part fulfilling the words of Revelation 17, verse 13. These have one mind, and shall give their power and strength to the beast. The nations of Europe give up their power. The Greek word dunamis, defined by Strong's to include the power and influence which belongs to riches and wealth. The nations of the European Union gave up their power to form a new economic bloc that had teeth. Part of the motivation was to reduce the influence of the United States in the European sphere of influence. The U.S. dollar has been the currency nations have purchased to secure stability for their own currencies during the past 60 years. The U.S. was able to fund its military spending because it was subsidized by nations purchasing treasury bonds. They were able to live outside their means and become the dominant power in the world. European nations realized that they received no kingdom as yet, and so embarked upon the goal of unseating the U.S. dollar as the dominant world currency, providing the euro as an alternative for nations to trade and do business in. The economic crisis of the past few months has clearly seen the U.S. dollar weaken. Adversaries of the U.S. have been quick to jump in and try to unseat the power of the U.S. dollar during this crisis. Russia is spearheading the endeavor to further the demise of the dollar. The Moscow Times reported on June 17th that President Dmitry Medvedev led the leaders of Brazil, China, and India in discussion Tuesday on reforming global financial systems and lessening reliance on the, US, or on the United States as the first summit of the world's four largest emerging economies. The four BRIC countries, which make up 15% of the global economy and hold nearly 40% of the world's currency reserves, expressed interest in working more closely together economically. End quote. The day prior, during the Shanghai Cooperation Organization meeting, discussions about the creation of a supernatural currency and lessening global reliance on the U.S. dollar dominated the agenda. A joint statement following the conference stated... We are committed to advance the reform of international financial institutions so as to reflect changes in the world economy. The emerging and developing economies must have a greater voice and representation in international financial institutions. At the end of the summit, Medvedev stated that developing countries must create the conditions for a fairer world order. The article went on to state... Medvedev reserved his more fiery rhetoric for the Shanghai Cooperation Organization Summit, showing that Russia remained eager to play a role in of power broker among emerging economies and a critic of the current world financial system, which it views as unfairly dominated by the United States. Medvedev continued his verbal assault on the U.S. currency, urging leaders to find a way to diversify the world's reserve currencies. The Existing set of reserve currencies, including the U.S. dollar, have failed to perform their function, Medvedev said. There cannot be a successful global currency system if the financial institutions it uses are denominated in one currency, he said. This is the case today, and that currency is the dollar, end quote. 
So we see Russia trying to unseat the economic dominance of the Western world, and specifically the United States, in an attempt to recreate a multipolar world, not just militarily, but economically. The scriptures clearly paint the picture of a king of the north and a king of the south in the book of Daniel, two power blocks vying for dominance specifically in the Middle Eastern region. Enter stage left, the Vatican. This past week, in advance of the G8 summit in Italy, Pope Benedict XVI issued an encyclical letter entitled Charity and Truth. The recommendation of this encyclical? Well, you guessed it, a new world economic order with a moral authority at the helm. In his encyclical, the Pope states of the Church, she has a public role over and above her charitable and educational activities. All the energy she brings to the advancement of humanity and of universal fraternity is manifested when she is able to operate in a climate of freedom. The Pope extols the virtues of humanism, arguing that in pursuit of development, there is a need for the deep thought and reflection of wise men in search of a new humanism, which will enable modern man to find himself anew. While when it comes to economic crisis, according to the Pope, it provides a great opportunity. He states, the complexity and gravity of the present economic situation rightly cause us concern, But we must adopt a realistic attitude as we take up with confidence and hope the new responsibilities which we are called by the prospect of a world in need of profound cultural renewal, a world that needs to rediscover fundamental values on which to build a better future. The current crisis obliges us to replan our journey, to set ourselves new rules, and to discover new forms of commitment to build on positive experiences, and reject negative ones. The crisis thus becomes an opportunity for discernment in which to shape a new vision for the future. In this spirit, with confidence rather than resignation, it is appropriate to address difficulties of the present time. End quote. In this new economy, what does the Pope seeing as being the primary focus? Well, he says, man is the source, focus, and the aim of all economic and social life. So according to the Pope, we are not dealing with a God-centered view of the world, but a man-centered view. Hence the adoration of humanism. The solution? Well, the Pope calls for a network of economic institutions capable of guaranteeing regular access to sufficient food and water for nutritional needs, and also capable of addressing the primary needs and necessities ensuing from genuine food crises, whether due to natural causes or political irresponsibility, nationally and internationally. End quote. Warning against new forms of colonialism, the Pope calls for a convergence between economic science and moral evaluation. The Pope sees the current situation as being defunct. He writes, The conviction that the economy must be autonomous, that it must be shielded from influences of moral character, has led man to abuse the economic process in a thoroughly destructive way. In long term, these convictions have led to economic, social, and political systems that trample upon personal and social freedom and are therefore unable to deliver justice that they promise. He goes on to state, the market is governed solely by the principle of equivalence in value of exchange goods. It cannot produce the social cohesion that it requires in order to function well.
It must be borne in mind that the grave imbalances are produced when economic action, conceived merely as an engine for wealth creation, is detached from political action, conceived as a means for pursuing justice through redistribution. He goes on to state that the economy and finance as instruments can be used badly when those at the helm are motivated by purely selfish ends. End quote. Further to this, he sums up the problems of the economic market this way. Thus, every economic decision has a moral consequence. The social sciences and the direction taken by the contemporary economy point to the same conclusion. Perhaps at one time it was conceivable that first the creation of wealth could be entrusted to the economy, and then the task of distributing it could be assigned to politics. Today that would be more difficult, given that economic activity is no longer circumscribed within territorial limits, while the authority of government continues to be principally local. End quote. The problem he believes this creates, then, is that the local government can no longer control the redistribution of wealth, and that there must be a new system created, a universal system with moral authority. Well, what universal, which is what the word Catholic means, or moral system do you suppose he has in mind? He describes it as a civil order that will create a humane economy. He states the exclusive binary model of market plus state is corrosive of society, while economic forms based on solidarity, which find their natural home in civil society without being restricted to it, build up society. Well, civil society, of course, is a code word for a Catholic intervention. After all, he believes today's international economic scene, marked by grave deviations and failures, requires a profoundly new way of understanding business enterprise. Therefore, the civil society comes to the rescue. This is a society which provides, according to the Pope, support aimed at strengthening weak constitutional systems and can easily be accompanied by the development of other political players of a cultural, social, territorial or religious nature alongside the state. The solution to the world economy is to interject Catholic ethics. The economy needs ethics in order to function correctly. Not any ethics whatsoever, but an ethics which is people-centered, and of course those people would be Catholic. He calls this new system a civil economy, or economy of communion, where Christian religion can offer their contribution to development. The new economy needs to be brought under spiritual rule, he says. Globalization certainly requires authority, insofar as it poses the problem of a global common good that needs to be pursued. This authority, however, must be organized in a subsidiary and stratified way, if it is to yield effective results in practice. He believes the new economy should be under the thumb of the church. For example, he states, economic aid, in order to be true to its purpose, must not pursue secondary objectives. It must be distributed with the involvement not only of the government of receiving countries, but also of local economic agents and the bearers of culture within civil society, including, including local churches. Well, how will this new economic power be wielded? The Pope goes on to state, It is good for people to realize that purchasing is always a moral and not simply economic act. Hence, the consumer has a specific social responsibility, which goes hand in hand with the social responsibility of enterprise. So we can expect to see, then, more boycotts of Israel. Great. He also sees the necessity of creating an economic institution with teeth. 
In the face of unrelenting growth of global interdependence, there is a strongly felt need, he says, even in the midst of a global recession, for a reform of the United Nations organization, and likewise of economic institutions and internal finance, so that the concept of a family of nations can acquire real teeth. Such authority would need to be universally recognized and to be vested with the effective power to ensure security for all, regard for justice and respect of rights. End quote. The Pope sees the role of the Church as assuming the moral mantle of power to guide the new economy. He states, only if we are aware of our calling as individuals and a community to be part of God's family as his sons and daughters will we be able to generate a new vision and muster new energy in the service of a truly integral humanism. The greatest service to development, then, is a Christian humanism that enkindles charity and takes its lead from truth, accepting both as a lasting gift from God. Well, there you have it, folks, right out of the mouth of the false prophet, the unclean spirit of frogs. Christian humanism controlling the world economy to bring about an ethical world order controlled by the church. Funny, when we look at Revelation, this is what we see. A great whore sitting upon many waters or peoples with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have become drunk with the wine of her fornication, or the doctrine, the social doctrine in this case, Revelation 12, verses 1 to 2. This system is to sit on the beast, the latter-day European system, controlling her from behind. She is a woman with whom all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich with the abundance of her delicacies, Revelation 8, verse 3. She is a system rich in gold, silver, and precious stones and pearls, and the souls of men, Revelation 18, verses 12 to 13. It is by her sorceries that all nations are deceived, Revelation 18, verse 23. And so they shall be, deceived by the frog spirits and the rushing to, and rushing towards the battle of the great day of God Almighty, deceived into making war with the Lamb who shall overcome them, because he is King of kings and Lord of lords. While we continue to watch the Bible in the news, tune in next week as we will consider the finger of God at work amongst the nations. www.bibleinthenews.com